Welcome to the Twilight Conversations. My name is Jimmy, and in this podcast, I'll be exploring human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. Hello, and welcome to episode 44 of the Twilight Conversations. Episode 44. No, I. That's my very poor Northern Ireland accent. That's that out of the way. I have to do that to move on. Episode 44. Why? Right. Such a generic Northern accent, you know. It's funny when you do accents, you think it sounds great until you meet someone from that place and they say, fucking not like that at all. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. So episode 44 is quite a contrast from the last uh, last week's which was around, you know, revisiting cluster B personalities, toxic personalities, the, the dark triad, the narcissist, the psychopath, the sociopath, that element, uh, the dark triad, as we say. Um, I got a lot of good feedback. People liked revisiting that, you know, it was helping them identify strategies in their own lives and that type of stuff. But it is a bit heavy. I mean, I don't mind heavy, but you know. So, I mean, and I will always go back to it if people ask me to describe different things about it. This is kind of a follow-on, but it's more really, let's look at the light triad. Let's look at what works in life, what, uh, how to heal, what does that mean? Like, the kind of recovery, healing, change, hope, you know. Because while, yeah, there's a, I want to say a section of society, but there are people in the world who tend to fall into that cluster B cat- category. There are. But they're in the minority, and the rest of us are somewhere, you know, we're struggling along or we're getting along. We're not in that. We're in what we call the light triad. So I want to focus on that, that, you know, there seems to be more of them around the other type, but that's only because they got a bit more permission to come out, come out to play, come out with some narcissistic play. <laughs> um, but they've always been there. That's That goes back to forever and ever, like the dark triad, Machiavellian, Machiavellianism, and Nicoli, Nicolai Machiavelli. Italian 12th century, 14th century, you know, key manipulator, key self, self-absorbed, all about the self. Uh, didn't value kindness, care, fairness, was out to get what you can, kind of thing. It's been around, we know, back to biblical times, you know, you could, you could look at all the different areas where the darker personality emerged sometimes. Um, and look, even they are, are, if you believe in a higher power, children of God, or we're all come from the same place. So whatever's gone on with them, and again, we don't want to get feeling too sorry for them, because they are making choices, but they are connected to us at some level, you know. They're just a bit further down some spectrum, whatever that is. So I try to stay away from better or worse. It's all around choices. What do you want in your life? Who do you want to be around? If you want to be around someone like that, happy days. Okay. So I want to focus much, much more on the light triad, on on positivity, but not toxic positivity, because I did an episode on that, as you know before, how things are skimmed over and it's almost like uh, happy clappy, let's all pretend. And, you know, they're the kind of the covert narcissist can get right in there, as I said, as the, the gurus and the teachers and that, and promoting the positivity all the time. And, you know, uh-uh, can't, can't be real. No, let's not do that let's look at being real being real human beings because in the light triad just to remind you because i've mentioned these before we have kantianism not kantianism he's right kant kantianism i can't resist that any chance i can get to get that word in i do don't i um but look it's trademark now isn't it 
Kantianism from Immanuel Kant, again German, it could be 16th, 17th century, philosopher, mystic. Um, I know I haven't studied him in detail, but what I do know is he's identified as part of the light triad, his philosophy or way of being, and it's all about goodness for the sake of goodness. It's really trying to be open, trying to be honest, trying to be intelligent, you know, that that type of stuff, right? And the second part of the triad, the light triad, would be humanism. And it's just a love for humans, you know, a real appreciation for the human being, the humanity in us, the kind of, our imperfection, if you like, because I'll be mentioning that a little bit as I go along, the human imperfection that we're all born with and we're meant to be in, basically, you know, and that, that can really help with what I'm talking about today, like a deep radical acceptance of who we are as human beings. Um how our world is, how life is. And yes, we can strive to be our better selves, absolutely. But there's something fundamental about being human on this part of the journey. I think it's a bigger journey in the, the bigger picture. Uh, it is calling for us to accept that imperfection, not not to give up and die, just to accept that we are uh, a work in progress, so to speak, you know, if you want to put it that way. You know, that's part of the exciting journey, you know. Um, so we've got Kantianism, humanism, and then love of humanity. What a lovely term. Just the love of humanity is in the light triad. Just, you know, that we generally love other human beings, including ourselves. We have good regard. We, we, we embrace the human journey that we know it's a bit fucked up. You know, we know it hurts at times. It doesn't make sense. We get all of that, you know. But there's something alluring and magical and exhilarating and curious about this life journey that keeps us going, keeps us breathing, you know. So there's a love of humanity and the appreciation of other human beings, the appreciation and the love of even failure in another, because we, you know, fail, fail again beautifully. I love that term. My, one of my heroes, Jürgen Klopp, Liverpool manager, uses that term. And Liverpool have been failing, that's for sure. Um, hang on, I'm just going to get a sup of tea. I can situate my tea better if I can gra- grasp. Not bad, Jim. So, so that's the light triad, which I've mentioned before, but I'm going to kind of, that's the umbrella we'll be using today to focus on well-being, good mental health, good human relationships, you know, yeah, we've got all the dark stuff. We kind of know about that. We can go there again, but let's really look at what works. And again, from the humanistic psychotherapy perspective, one of the heroes in humanistic psychotherapy is Abraham Maslow. You're probably all familiar with him, the hierarchy of needs and all of that. But one of his very simple but profound sayings was, why don't we look at what's right about people rather than what's wrong in psychology? You know, yeah, we need to, you know, that kind of way, let's, what works kind of thing. What's, what's, how are we deciding what's okay? You know, even terms like pathology that's used in psych- psychiatry and psychotherapy and, and psychology. I understand we have to put names on things, but, you know, really, is that, you know, Gabor Mate, who I love in that beautiful Hungarian accent of his, speaks about uh, connection. Uh, you know, what's the bit the buzzword now in psychotherapy? Uh, attachment theory. When he, he, I loved when he said this, attachment is really just love. You know, he had sexy voice he has. You know, and it is, it's love. You know, attachment sounds very clinical, doesn't it? So it's all about love. So he's saying what I'm saying. He's just much more uh, educated and intelligent, probably getting a lot more money, and rightly so. But it is all about love in that sense, how we, atta- how we love, how we connect. That's the huge part of our human journey, isn't it? And, you know, uh, and, you know, from a humanistic uh, psychotherapy perspective, the environment, the situation is so, so important 
to determine how that is, how we get our love attachment connection. You know, it's, it's, it's not something wrong with the person. Sometimes, you know, the environment isn't quite conducive to human growth at that time. You know, again, the analogy in humanistic psychology is the, the plant or the flower. Give it the right environment, it will thrive. Human beings are the same. Right environment, circumstances, we thrive. Where we have safety, openness, love, mutual respect, care. These are the kind of qualities I'm going to be looking at. All right. So that's kind of what I'd be leaning into today. If that sounds okay, would you? Like you can all yes, carry on. I'm going to quote Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. Probably not pronounced very well. French philosopher, mystic. And I have before. And he said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings immersed in a human experience. Oh, I love that. I've said that before. That helps kind of describe where I'm coming from, how I would see things. And that's quite different, isn't it? You know, because if we are primarily spiritual beings, which I believe we are, because we know what it's like to touch glory, because as imperfect as it is to be human and in this life, you get those peak moments, don't you, where you touch something and you got to go, ooh, have like a peak communication or you, you win something or you do something in sport or you dance a certain way or move a certain way or get a promotion or something happens or you watch a sunlight or you look into someone's eyes or a baby's eyes, whatever it might be. You just have those moments where you know you've been here before or there's something more to all of this. Now, they may be brief, but they're there and they're fucking addictive. <laughs> it's like the spirit in me just wants to connect with that more and more. Um, like uh, as you'll hear me talking about music so often because you know music does for sure is able to express that in ways that our limited words uh, don't allow us to you know because vocabulary can be quite limited so sound is is very very powerful Um, and of course I'll be referring to that so we all know that whether you think you're spiritual or not you know you get that where you get moved by a piece of music or how it moves you or the way a, a change happens in the song or it could be the lyric. For me, it's seldom the lyrics. I like the lyrics a lot, depending, you know, but it's more what goes with it, the undercurrent, that feeling that catches your body, you know. Um, so that's hugely important. So we have those peak moments where I've heard it described by somebody, I forget who, but it was a beautiful description. You know, let's, let's take a classic one looking at a sunrise or a sunset, right? We all know the feeling of awe where we're struck with. You just you just can't speak. You're just like or on a mountaintop, wherever, you know, or in nature. So it's like the spirit in us recognizes itself. It's like, I know you. I know this, you know? Yeah. And equally then, what makes that so excruciatingly painful is because we have these, we're having that human peace and we have to kind of live in shit sometimes and make mistakes and, you know, argue with people and missed love, missed communication, misunderstandings and all, all the normal things that happen, you know. It makes it kind of really, really, really painful, you know, um, because we know this other place, whether you believe it was we came from there, we're going back there. It doesn't really matter right now. There's another place that brings us to a higher um, or deeper, whatever we want to put it, more expansive consciousness. It's just a knowing, isn't it? I think we all know that somewhere. We might describe it differently. It kind of comes with the deja vu a little bit. It's like, ooh. Um, but often when we make contact with beauty, we have a moment of peace. Again, it might be the way someone just puts their hand on you or on your arm or... Uh, listening to kids laughing or 
watching something on the telly that moves you or it doesn't matter all those different moments uh, where someone tilts their head or you know just a certain atmosphere or smell kind of comes through you you go oh yeah so it passes and we can eke it out as long as we can and I don't know if that's my total soul motivation for continuing to breathe it's a big part of it to want to seek that again you know to hope I'll bump into that experience again you know and and one of the the big challenges through human relationship isn't it that's what we're talking about you know from family members to lovers to friends to colleagues to strangers in the street how we interact that's where that can all that all comes together you know as they say so I'm also going to make a statement you may or may not agree with me it can be a contentious contentious one or I'll ask you a question do you fundamentally believe that human nature is good or bad not good I happen to believe it's good can we be bad absolutely can we make mistakes? Can we slip and slide? Of course, of course. But fundamentally, that's our drive is good. And I don't mean being goody-goody. I mean just good. There's a goodness. There's a desire for love, for connection, for positivity, for union, for alignment, for smoothness, for laughter, to feel good, to feel meaningful, to feel uh, positive, to feel loved as well. That's... That's our primary drive, I feel. And again, given the circumstances, we can all be that way. If we feel safe enough, if we're the right person or people, if we feel right about ourselves, we've got a good solid foundation. I'll be going back to the the whole self-esteem thing, what that really means. Because that's a, excuse me, that's a key core piece to this whole process. How we are in ourselves. But I think what gets missed with that piece it's not separate because we are relational and we are influenced by those that love or don't love us or those that love or refuse to love us, whatever we want to put it. That's a huge, it doesn't have to dictate the whole direction of our self-esteem or self-value, but it's it's foolish to kind of say, well, I just, you know, have great self-esteem and I love myself and I'll carry down those things. It's kind of nice. That's okay. We, we, it's nice to not really worry too much, but we have to acknowledge we need are connected to others and that can be, uh, I suppose, intrinsic to our own self-esteem. We can't rely on it, but it's an important source of food for us to keep that going, to get a bit of fuel, you know, kind of thing. Now, we can choose people, the wrong kind of people to do that because they're just going to leave us with an empty tank the whole time. Or we choose good people to be around us. I'll be coming to that as well, how we align with friends and so forth, others in our life. How we might have an unconscious pattern playing out where we keep aligning with people that replicate something from childhood where we don't get our needs met. We kind of get that old familiar feeling. Why does that keep happening to me? What's wrong with me that I keep getting abandoned or misunderstood? Or We all know that record, right? And it's okay, we've got to be really compassionate. And also to understand how, you know, for a child that can be quite traumatic, even though now we're adult. A child can't regulate when that's, you know, when that happens to a child and the stress hormones fly around, cortisol and adrenaline, really unpleasant and the awful feelings are coming in, we're flooded with pain, the child. If there's no loving adult around, a capable adult or aware adult, naturally children don't have, they haven't, you know, developed enough brain power yet to uh, regulate that to okay to go, ah, I know what this is, you know what I mean? To breathe slowly, look, it's not them at all, they're just fucked up in their own world. I'm actually quite okay here. Hmm, these uh, 
stress hormones will calm down in a while. I'll just breathe through it. I'll trust everything will be okay and, and my body will realign itself and all will be well. Right? We agree. Kids can't do that. We can't do that. So we carry that into our adult relationships, particularly if it's un- we're unaware of it, it's unhealed. And two things can happen. We get the trigger into the child place. Oh, yeah, abandoned again. Like, fucking, it's going to be awful. Sense of doom, sense of fear. Very same kicking off because they say in the amygdala, it doesn't know the, you know, when that kicks off, it doesn't know the difference between what age we are or whether something's real or isn't real. It will react as if it's real. So we're flooded with those uh, chemicals again. But even though we're adult, we might not tune into our adults at the time and we might get a bit overwhelmed. Very common, very normal. So a lot of our work is to tune into the adult self. And I'll be talking about that. What are the qualities? What's needed there to have an understanding of this? So when we are triggered by one thing or another, as we will be, we can, what's called, regulate our feelings. Ah, have aware, I know what this is meet the overwhelm, it's okay, I am safe now, big question always, am I safe now, I am safe now, I'm with good people or I'm with myself and I'm okay, these are just strong feelings, these are chemicals moving through my system, there is no danger now, I can what we call self-soothe and not choose a negative way to self-soothe, like self-harm, drink, drugs, uh, bad relationships, where we often go to soothe, you know, when, when, when we're hit ironically when we're hit with the very thing that's going to bring about more of that we'll go i know what i'll do i'll pick a psychopath and have sex with them or and have a lot of drugs that would make me feel better <laughs> you know it's interesting how that happens isn't it so you get that piece right so i'll be looking at the adult self the kind of qualities and conditions of good self-esteem what that means and all of that it's it's a it's a practice thing it's ongoing for us all more tea required i feel Ooh. we doing okay shall i continue yes carry on I'm feeling, yeah, so I want to describe an underlying attitude for good emotional, mental, spiritual well-being. It's an underlying attitude or outlook, right? It's in the light triad, as I've described. And it's, there's also in the light triad, there's a sense of agreeableness, kind of desire for intimacy, interconnectedness. It's a natural movement towards relating positively, honestly, with kindness and with love. It's that natural desire, no matter what happens, even if we get hurt or kicked, that's a kind of an attitude. There's an underlying attitude. So I'm going to, I actually wrote the lyrics down, use a song by, at this moment, the beautiful, the wonderful Lucinda Williams. And in this song, one of her many songs, if you don't know her, she's just a beautiful, sexy, heartbroken, hopeful gravelly voiced female singer songwriter um with a lovely range of songs but in this particular song she's kept capturing perfectly what i'm talking about so she's describing some of the awful things that can happen to you as a human being which she often does right but she's also describing this underlying attitude so here it goes right it's called when i look at the world she says i've been unforgiven i've been let down had the truth hurt i've been kicked around i've been wasted i've been on the brink I've had my faith tested, my spirits sink. I've been unwelcome, I've been unloved. I've been cheated and made a fool of. And then the chorus goes, but then I look at the world, it's a different story. Each time I look at the world, in all its glory, I look at the world, and it's a different story each time I look at the world. You see, so it's just a met- again a metaphor for, she has, in spite of, and if you listen to her lyrics and her songs, she's been knocked around, right? This woman's been on the ground and up again on the ground, heartbroken several times and stamped on and pushed on, you know, and like a lot of us have, I suppose. 
But she's describing all of that. Yet underneath it, what emerges is this other attitude. So however, when she looks at the world, that's the attitude. So even though these things are happening, she's not saying, well, the world is shit. You might say that for a little while when you're recovering, but that underlying attitude comes back. The desire to live, the desire to see the beauty, the desire to uh, you know, connect with other human beings, to realize that, okay, just because I've met some bogeys, there are good people there. You don't lose hope. You know, I don't mean false hope. Now, you've got to, we've got to be realistic and realize that's not going to work. But you don't lose your essential love of humanity. And she hasn't. That's why I love that song so much. She hasn't lost that. Uh, that's why I like the contrast in that. She's describing these terrible things. But that underlying attitude is there. So in terms of the self-esteem piece, I'm getting very organized writing things down in a copybook now. Um, in terms of the self-esteem piece, Yes, we can work on self-esteem, but what's more important, and I'll, I'll talk about self-esteem, self-worth, what's much more important is our underlying attitude, our outlook to life. That's the kiva. Are you in the light triad? Do you believe in humanity? Do you believe in love in the broadest sense? Do you believe that no matter what happens, if you get kicked, knocked down, because it's part of life, isn't it? I'm not saying we should be in that all the time. Obviously, we're going to make choices. We're hit by bad luck, up, down, whatever that life is still beautiful for you, that you're, this, this goes beyond just your everyday feelings. So the underlying attitude is a factual outlook on humanity and life. And it's not conditioned to, well, I'll only have that if this love works out or I get that job or my family all treat me well or my football team wins or whatever, 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 right? Or the weather is nice. You know, it's not a fickle thing. This attitude I'm talking about is very deep and permanent. You know, we all have it. And it can be nurtured and worked on and decided upon to have that. You know, like I think I did a good few podcasts back from Bill Hicks. Do I choose love or fear? You know, that's a simple bit. Do I choose to live out of love or live out of fear? Yes, I may get frightened. That's okay. But what am I going to live from? What's my life principle, so to speak? So it's like an attitude, a worldview. Is it love that I'm feeling? That was in the last one as well, wasn't it? Um, I might even just name a couple of songs without going into the lyrics that kind of carry the energy of this light triad loving attitude. Uh, kind of soundscape for Ballymun in the 80s, Bob Marley, right? <laughs> you know, songs like Three Little Boards, you know, don't worry about a thing, very simple, every little thing's going to be alright. But it's the whole energy behind that. That song's not pretending there isn't shit. It's trying to describe an attitude, you know, or one love you know, let's get together and be all right. You know, I used to, again, I said this before, I used to love that walk into work or down Slow Grove where I lived. Um, when you're living in a kind of, a, as Billy Connolly calls it, a vertical village, flats, quite a lot, you can really hear all these sounds. It's like a thrum of life. I used to love it. And then invariably you'd hear Bob Marley belting out somewhere or someone sitting on a corner. It was the 80s with a big ghetto blaster. Or you'd be 40, maybe. But you'd hear, with the older crowd, you'd hear a bit of Pink Floyd, maybe Neil Young coming out, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, the old hippie addict, these types, you know. And Glenn Hansen might spoke about that. He remembered that from his childhood. Um, but I used to just love of a morning walking down and just the sounds of life. Because, you know, you'd hear radios and conversations, pots and pans clanking, kettles going on. I love that feel. It's just something... I found that very, very soothing. Whistling, shouting, kind of life, you know. Now, there's parts of that that can be unpleasant. But in general, you know, and it always made me wonder, wonder what today's going to bring. Just that, that kind of frisson, you know, that's the term of, of life. You can really feel it in the atmosphere because there were so many people in such a small area, you know. 
um, in the flats and I'd walk across and do my job in Palcura so I'd pass by other tarot blocks and flats and there'd be the same kind of thing going on and I just loved it. You know, I, I probably do romanticise that a little bit, but I, I do genuinely have lovely times. But anyway, those type of songs, and there's millions more, have that energy in them, behind them. Um, you know, that kind of Doobie Brothers listen to the music. Again, it's not always the lyrics, it's the whole vibe of what it is. It's not just happy, clappy, feel good. Yeah, there's a feel good element, but I always feel something else going on. It's like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to lean into that. I want to I want to ride that wave, you know? You know when it catches you a bit of music and you kind of you know they're saying something else whether they're conscious of it or not it doesn't matter whether they are i am <laughs> i'm taking that from it uh but I, I wouldn't be surprised you know because music has that effect you know um so i was saying we can choose our outlook our worldview um i'm thinking this is based on like a, a radical acceptance that's a tara brack term well you'll know i'll often refer to some of my greatest hits my favorites tara brack we won them radical acceptance of the imperfect imperfect nature of life and of humans, which isn't a bad thing. I think it's how we're made as humans. As I said, we're spiritual beings having this human experience. You know, the question is, why would the spirit decide to come into human life? You know, there's times, isn't there, we're going, what the fuck did I choose this for? <laughs> it's hard. It is hard, absolutely. But then it's fucking delightful, you know, and, and there's such challenges of love, isn't there? Yeah. So yeah, we're choosing to come into this. Um, yeah, and, and that doesn't mean we can't, you know, we can't tweak, change, you know, the inner workings of the way our mind is, if not good, you know, practice good living, you know, meeting life with hope, joy, curiosity, wonder and awe, you know. Curiosity is interesting. There's an interesting little exercise for psychological affair. I don't mean primal affair. You know, if there's a fucking, someone running at you with a gun or a wolf coming at you, that's primal fear. You need to fuck, get the fuck out of there. That's, you have to listen to that. But I mean, psychological fear when there's no primal danger, when we're in fear. So replace that with, rather than being afraid, could I be curious? It could be interesting because there's no imminent danger, you know. So could I be curious about whatever's troubling me inside of, rather than fearful? Um, yeah, yeah, we've got all that. We can feel crushed and disappointed and hurt and let down. We need time to heal for sure. Regroup, get back in the game again. Uh, or do we give up and confirm that uh, life is shit and meaningless and a terrible, never-ending joke? You know, do we go into the cynical piece? Now, we can all get a bit cynical from time, but that's okay. We don't stay in it. You know, if it's not, if it's, some people are, 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 their world outlook is a cynical view of life. And that's tough to deal with. But it's okay to feel a bit cynical as a way of just protecting yourself when you're feeling a bit hurt. But you, you, you revert back to your openness and innocence. There's qualities like innocence and, and, uh, What's that lovely word? But gets a bad time of it now. Uh, I can't think of the word. Gullibility. You know, we all drill, don't want to be gullible, you know, but isn't there something beautiful and innocent and childlike about being gullible? Not in a bad way, not like you're a sap, but being open, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not blade and making a fool of myself, you know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, you stay miserable, pal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'll take a risk, look like an asshole, but I might be happy, you know, kind of thing. There's something nice about being open, gullible, uh, innocent, uh, childlike, but in with your adult self, you know. I think there is, isn't there? And I've quoted this before, some biblical saying, the kingdom of God, we must return to being children again. I think that's what they mean. Um, yeah, you know, the toxic positivity we do not need, avoid that like a, the plague, give that a body swerve, give it a jimmy shimmy. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm saying we'd be realistic. Life sucks times. Yeah, we are imperfect beings. Blah, blah, blah. I've said all that. We're just 
checking over a couple of notes that I wrote. See, I can't do a podcast and just read notes. I need to be kind of spontaneous, but I will just double check if I miss something because I often go, ah, I didn't say that piece. Yeah. So, I'm, yeah, I'm really saying like the underlying attitude, outlook or life principle is hugely, it's more important than anything, no matter how difficult or painful life can be, that underlying hopeful, positive, curious attitude of goodwill will resurface and dictate the way forward. Um, I want to say something about, caught my eye there, um, changing, you know, making, you know, we have to, we have to change, we have to therapy or we're going to recovery, you've got to change, you've got to change. And rightly so, absolutely, we've got to change. But I think what we need to change gets a bit mixed up. Let me clarify. There's something about that we all yearn for is to be loved for who we really are. And I don't want to change that part of me to be loved, right? And nor should I have to, and nor should you have to. What we call our essence. So I would say when you're, you know, if you're encountering or, uh, what's the word? Beginning a journey on, I can't think of the word. Uh, embarking upon. That's it. Embarking upon this kind of journey of the self and recovery or healing or therapy or this type of stuff. This might be really, really important because you can get mixed up and think, you know, I've got to change this and I've got to change that. You know, what I would say, the only things you need to change, right, are anything that says you shouldn't be who you really are deep down. Because if you're who you really are, you're not going to be bothering anybody. Yes, I need to change attitudes that are unpleasant to others consistently or that are blocking my way to good communication soften communication styles might need to be changed or ideas about myself that are unrealistic or untrue that's what i need to change it's kind of like the outer parts the outer parts of the self what i'm telling myself needs to change the attitude needs to change but not the essential self because i'm the same as i always was deep 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 down and i like that part of me I was never always sure anybody else did, but then I made the fatal mistake of thinking I have to change that and then I've got terrible dissonance because I'm going against who I really am. And who I really am is just quite a lovable, imperfect, unique, quirky, funny human being, you know? That's that's who I really am. I, you know, I don't want to hurt no one. I'm thinking of that other lovely, lovely, I don't want to hurt no one. Yeah. Um, what was it? Steve Miliband, Space Cowboy. Yeah, I don't want to hurt no one. It's one of those lovely lines. And those old kind of hippie bands, those stuff, they have that. I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to bother anyone. You know, that lovely attitude. That's the, the attitude I'm talking about. I have no desire to be dishonest with you or cause you pain or hassle. I might do by accident. And I think most people are like that. That's what we really need to nurture more. You know, that space. It's okay uh, to be in that. So the changes we're making about ourselves around self-esteem, we're not trying to be different you know we may change some of our outer attitudes that are not good attitudes that are harmful to you or harmful to me or counterproductive or unhelpful like shaming myself uh, checking my dialogue my self-talk that's kind of like critical and harsh all the time i'm just playing out then the abuse that someone else gave me like you don't need to do it anymore i'm doing it bum 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 and that can be a self-protection piece as well I'm sure you realise. It's kind of like, well, I'll do it. At least I can control me doing it. I know you're eventually going to do it. You know? And again, these are all deep distortions. And they're the things we need, really need to get, roll our sleeves up and get in and change the distortions we have about ourselves. Because there's nothing wrong with us, deep, deep down. You know, that lovely mantra, you're good enough as you are. Absolutely. If you want to tweak and change a few things so you can feel even better about that, all day. But you can't change your spirit, your soul. And why would you want to? 
that's that's the beautiful part that's the part that shines that's the part we we feel in others and want that's really really important so i'm thinking of like uh you know last episode was challenging relationships and all that type of stuff but there are good healthy and meaningful people and relationships in the world right available much much more than the other type you know I hear it all the time here in my room, you know. Where are these people, Jimmy? They're everywhere. <laughs> They're all over the place. Well, that's looking for romance, looking for friendship. Can't seem to meet good people. They're everywhere. Fucking every littered with them. You know, they may be just a bit afraid and they may be a little bit defensive, so you mightn't recognise them. But they're there. All over the place. Um so what about the all important relationship with ourselves? That's that's really what I'm looking at as well, you know. What that's the bit we have much more say in. You know, I can't really change you. I'm cli- you know, it's a cliche, you know this. There's nothing I can do about your attitude. I can maybe point it out to you if you're interested in listening. But I can change mine, especially if it's getting in the way of me feeling wholesome and good about me and connecting with you in a nicer, fear-free way, a like, safe way, an exciting way, an interesting way, a beautiful two-way interaction between friends, colleagues, lovers, whatever family members across different strokes for different folks people are in different places at different times that's okay it's all part of the game isn't it you know um, but I have a little <laughs> the fruit market I have written down this was inspired by um, the late and very very great Wayne Dyer uh, spiritual teacher funny guy very insightful uh, written hundreds of books on this whole subject but he gave that example before and I'm not going to quote him directly but it's, I find it really helpful because it's kind of funny and it's when we're starting to get hurt or disappointed with a lover, a friend, a colleague, other relationships relationships in our lives because they, they just don't seem to do what we need them to do or we hoped they would do. And we're trying to give them the sign or we're trying to signal to them, look, this is how to love me. And they don't quite get it, no matter how. But we like them. We instinctively love them. He talked about that as being like fruit. And you can pick any fruit. It doesn't matter. So let's just use the classic orange, right? So he said, when you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice, of course. So the analogy is, I'm often, I know you're an orange, but I, I want a bit of lemon or apple as well. And I'm squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. And you're giving me beautiful orange, but there ain't no apple. And, and I'm getting really disappointed. <laughs> you know what I mean? And hurt. Why can't you give me the fucking lemon? You know I want the lemon. I love the orange. It's great, but I want a bit of lemon. Now. This is a negotiation because then we have to flip it around. Maybe there's a particular fruit they're looking for. I mean, I don't have that either. You know, we can we can be a bit blind to maybe we're not coming up with the goods that the other wants. We're coming up with good enough. So this is a common human thing. Now, some people have orange, but they've got a little bit of lemon and a nice bit of golden delicious hanging around. We know it's deeply there and it's there and then it's not there. Maybe there's a bit of woundedness and stuff. We can all be a bit that way, you know, Uh I mean, you just have to be patient and wait with each other. And maybe I have better bits of fruit in me that you're not getting yet. They haven't emerged yet. That's okay. That's possible. But you know when you're just clear, this is how someone is. It's just how he or she is. They don't mean it. They can't help it. What they do is great. And I'm sure I'm that way for a lot of people. Love Jimmy. Fucking great. But I wish he would. And I don't know if I ever would, whatever that is. <laughs> you know, if you tell me, I'll try. But I mean, naturally. You know, so sometimes you cut your cloth. Sometimes that's why we have friend groups and there's certain friends who just fit certain situations better than other ones. They're all great, but there's ones you'd ring up for a certain thing. There's others you'd ring up for a good cry. I wouldn't ring the first one. I'd go to the second one. For, you, know, you know how it goes. And then you might get the odd one that has that beautiful connection. That they're good in all areas, you know. They're rare, but you get them. You get them. 
they can meet wherever you are in most. It's all about alignment, you know, and that's nobody's fault. So if someone's not aligned, it doesn't mean that you're not lovable or they don't love you. It just means, you know, it's just different energy signatures that we have and they can align at different times, you know. And good love can, can be tolerant with the, when there's misalignment and understand that it doesn't mean all is lost. So what's to speak? So that's the fruit packet. Yeah. It's very interesting. So qualities of good self-esteem, good, you know, self-worth. I mean, we can do mantras. We can tell ourselves, you know, we've all heard this type of stuff. But I think to revert back to what I was saying, I think we all know deep, deep down. And if you don't know, you need to know that there really is very little, if anything, wrong with you in right in your core belly and where you live, right in your soul. So if you can have radical acceptance that you don't need to change that and if you could be free in that place, yourself, your self-esteem would be fucking, you'd be kicking it, you'd be fine. That's what it's all about. It's really accepting that part. Now to counteract some of the layers of crap that have gone in the way of that, yes, I might need to do mantras that I'm good enough as I am, tell myself I'm really a valuable, lovable human being. They're useful. Don't get, they're really, really useful. Or at the very least, if you find yourself being very critical of yourself, cut it out. If you can't say out in good, don't say out in bad. I'm just getting a bit emotional because I'm thinking of the beautiful Connie, Connie Murphy. If I couldn't do you a good turn, wouldn't do you a bad one. So if you can apply that to yourself, don't do yourself a bad turn. If you feel a bit awkward about giving yourself a positive affirmation, just don't give yourself a negative one. But that's habitual. You can grow to say nice things about yourself. There's no harm. It's not going to do any harm to you. You know, it may feel a bit uncomfortable or embarrassing. What's equally important and more important is a deeper level is, am I behaving like someone I care about or like? That's a good question to ask yourself. Yeah, I can say the stuff. Come on now, Jimmy, you're good enough. You're equal to everybody else. And, you know, you're a worthy person and you're valuable and so forth. That's all true. And then I go off and make decisions and behave the opposite, you know. That's okay, so I'm not quite aligned with it yet. So I need to start making choices um, that are, again, in line with or allied with or in sync with my self-image. If I'm saying I'm a good, lovable, valuable human being, act like that. And sometimes in the beginning, you heard the thing, act as if I might need to act that way, even if I don't feel like acting that way. I sway off up a bit high. I don't mean in a cocky, pretending way, just to start realigning the body. So the body can come in line with that. How would I walk? How would I talk? How would I interact if I saw myself as a lovable, equal human being to you and everyone? On the- and I have a right to be here. The desert you have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. That's the end part. That's a lovely prayer. I don't see it around much these days, but uh, the desert have a look at that. That's pretty good. Um, so it's more important what you do and the choices you make. Right, so you can say things to yourself like, "If I really cared about myself, what what choice would I make now? What choice would someone who liked themselves make now? If I'm not quite sure how to do that, you know, would I like me as a friend? It's a good question you can ask. What would someone do if they were being adult? Similar, you know, because we'll assume adult is automatically caring, self-respect, self-esteem. How would I behave? if I respected myself and I wanted to convey that, because you can't make people respect you. You should respect me. It doesn't work that way, does it? It just, it's it's earned through energy and behavior, you know? Uh, how would I act and behave, you know? And, and without being nasty to yourself, just kind of sit back and have a look. How do I interact with people? What messages am I giving people? What am I telling people about me? They're all interesting things to do. But I'll come back fully 
And then think they, you can practice that daily, whether you're doing affirmations in the mirror, whether you're doing breathing exercises, carry it into your behavior. Think, act and behave like someone who's lovable. Whether you feel that or not in the moment, it will come eventually. But your real core piece is that deep down, you're not trying to change anything. You're trying to allow what's already there and you're clearing what stops that from happening. Okay. So you can change habits and attitudes and mindsets and behaviors that kind of get in the way of your true self, you know, that create patterns and difficulties and, and in relationships with others. You are good enough just as you are. I'm thinking of the beautiful Just The Way You Are by Billy Joel. Again, another song that has that good energy behind it. You know, don't go change and try to please me. We all really instinctively know this. You're good enough just as you are. You act like a bit of a fucking idiot sometimes, but I know that's not who you really are. Do you know what I mean? That's often the problem with just not being who we really are and to trust that others will love us just the way we are. And if they don't, okay, it's a little bit unpleasant, but I, I'm not going to change who I am. I can't. So you will love me. There, you know, I can love me and others will. It's as simple as there you are. Now, anything else? Yes, we've got the light triad. Spoke about that. Um, oh yeah, in the light triad, you know, we've got, it's primarily motivated by intimacy and self-transcendent values. And the word agreeableness comes up. Now, don't mistake agreeableness for people-pleasing. It's not at all. It's an underlying attitude of openness to life, kind of an amen to love, kind of like desire to resolve conflict or to not have any. If there is, we can be adult and honest and resolve it. It's, it's agreeableness to the flow of life. You know that when you meet those people, you can feel it from them. You know, if there's a problem, it'll be resolved very quickly. They're not interested in staying in the problem at all for long. They'll be real about it. You know, you don't have to pretend. But the whole attitude, energy is uh, union, connection, love, positivity. You know, if we have to go through a few difficult conversations to get there, we'll do that. But we'll do it respectfully. That's okay. So we're not getting into the toxic positivity. We're not pretending. So here's a couple of underlying attitudes to the the uh, the light triad. I think people are mostly good. I enjoy listening to people from all walks of life. When I talk to people, I am rarely thinking of what I want from them. Now that last one, I put a little uh, something in there. It's okay if you do want something from someone, but it's okay to tell them to be upfront about that and not try and you know get into some of the dark Machiavellianism of trying to manipulate. Even if you're doing it in a nice way to get, I want to get. It's okay to say, you know what I'd really like, you know, depending on the conversation you're having with someone, you know. So I'm going to read a little bit from a beautiful song by Natalie Merchant. Some of you may or may not know her. She was in a band called 10,000 Maniacs originally, then she went solo. And she's a very simple but beautiful song which describes what I'm talking about called Kind and Generous. And it's, oh, I want to thank you for so many gifts. You gave me love and tenderness. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your generosity, the love the honesty you gave me. I want to thank you, show my gratitude, my love and respect for you. I want to thank you, Natalie Merchant. Again, it's so much better with the music. It's a beautiful song, lovely singer. But the whole, it's again, the whole energy is behind it. Even to want to write a song like that, it's acknowledging something. It's not just a, like a quirky little, oh, isn't love great? It's, no, this is what life is really about. The principles of good self-image, positive outlook, right? I've named a few, and these will be completely in line with what you'll hear in recovery movements, therapy, generally good mental well-being uh, movements would agree with this wholeheartedly. But here's the principles that you're trying to foster and trying to nurture and live from. Honesty. Not much more to be said about that, really, is there? 
I'll say a little bit about each one. Except there can be what Butts called kind of reckless honesty, where we tell someone too much too quickly because we're afraid. You know, and it's it's like a vomit piece. It's not great. Just pace yourself on that one. I've often done the vomit bit in the beginning to one, try and impress you with how honest I am, and two, uh, simultaneously make you reject me immediately because you'll hear how I really am, and then that's all done. Then it's going to happen anyway, you know. So beautiful honesty that's that's led with you know a kindness and a kind of a, a measured tempo to it, you know. Willingness, self-explanatory, isn't it? To be you know that just lovely attitude of willingness to resolve something or to find a solution or to uh, just be. How can we be together in a, in a willingness way? Goodwill, you know, that attitude of goodwill. Just again, there's that underlying wanting uh, to be helpful, agreeable and supportive. Integrity, you know, your word is your bond, you know. And I, it's very painful when we compromise that. You know, we get that dissonance. <sighs> I'm acting in a way that's not really who I am, what I said. I'm not following up on that, you know, the integrity. Openness. Now again, when the big bad wolf comes along, it mightn't always be useful to be open to him or her in that moment, but even in the right settings, they'll respond well to that. But generally speaking, we might need to not close ourselves off, but be a little more prudent and protective around people that don't like themselves very much and are not owning that and pushing it out on you. So we mightn't be as open with them. Gratitude, beautiful. I mean, being in the recovery movements, no surprise. It's a very deep, wonderful, peaceful energy attitude of you know, as I said before, not just, oh, I'm glad I have food, I'm glad I have shelter, I'm glad I have, absolutely be glad for all that. It's a deep gratefulness, gratitude for life that I'm here. You know, it's not depending on anything. It's not something I pull out of the hat and say, well, at least I'm, you know, which we do. God, at least when it's cold out, you know, God, I'm not homeless, God. You know, that, that's a form of gratitude, but it's much deeper. It's it's a, a way of being. It's an attitude. An attitude of gratitude. A bit American, that, isn't it? In the attitude of gratitude. Agreeableness, I've already mentioned that. It's not people-pleasing. Hopefulness. Now, sometimes hope can be a bit tricky because hope can bring disappointment. But I suppose there's a lovely saying, have your head in the clouds and your feet on the ground. You know, expect nothing and hope for everything. We can be realistic. We can be real that people may let us down, not out of badness because they're, they are where they are. You know, I don't have to not be hopeful anymore. You know, it's that attitude again. I don't have to go, well, there, look, I tried. Look what happens. You know, we need to remove that. That's not helpful. It's understandable, but it's not helpful. So to have a hopeful outlook, you know. And yes, of course, we're going to be realistic about that, you know. But it doesn't mean we can't have a hopeful attitude, you know. Curiosity, I've mentioned. Lovely. Curiosity killed the cat and all that. It's a lovely, lovely childlike quality, you know. What? Oh, I wonder what that is. To get to know someone, to find out more about, to get to know ourselves, to be curious rather than fearful. What would happen if, you know, you know, and of course you have to do it in another way. I'm not curious if I walk into that fucking crack den and say, hey, let's all talk about love. <laughs> now, Anne O'Connell can do that. She's got that unique gift. And they all would just sit around her and put the guns and all down and go, oh, how are you, Anne? <laughs> you know, that's a gift and a half, isn't it, to have? Um, but within reason, you know, to be curious about life, about even challenging things. What does it really mean? flexibility beautiful not in terms of we're going to bend ourselves out of shape it's okay to have a boundary and say look no it's that's enough it's that's not i can't really stretch anymore but to be flexible if we're good in ourselves we can be flexible we can pivot we can kind of go okay i'm not losing any sense of self doing that it's okay yep i want to help me you us the system the country 
I can be flexible. Uh, humility. What a gorgeous quality. Sometimes mistaken for like being, you know, a bit of a sap. You have to be on your knees and people shitting on you. Not at all. It's the opposite. It's one of the most noble, majestic qualities in the human being. Humility. It's deep. Someone with humility has deep strength. You know, majesty, as I said. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous quality. It's you know someone's really okay in themselves when they're able to kind of go, I'm sorry about that. I got that wrong. Without losing face, you know, it's okay. But it's much, much more than that, isn't it? It's kind of tied in with gratitude, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a, an attitude again. And faith. Now, I mean that doesn't, you don't have to be religious or spiritual. It's kind of like faith in humanity. It's, it's a faith belief that all will be well, even though there may be some difficult elements to the, the journey. It's a faith, you know. You talk about act as if, you know, faith is somehow trusting that things will be okay. Uh, you know, uh, he or she or they will come across. Have faith. Have a little faith in me. John Hyatt. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. Have faith in each other. You know, even if we don't get it exactly right, understand why. Now, if we're a fucking total lunatic and they keep fucking letting you down, letting you down, that's a different thing. It's just a choice thing. But, you know, in our humanity, you know, have faith in each other. You know, for choosing the right kinds of people. And if they falter a little bit, don't don't write them off. You know, they'll come good. You know, um, their intention is good. The adult space, again, I'm going to talk about and self-regulate. I mentioned that a little bit earlier on. The ability to be able to recognize when I'm having reactions or responses that are feel for me a bit young. You know, maybe it's, as you know, I get fearful or quite hurt and it doesn't fit the situation. And I can feel those chemicals rushing around inside of me and I feel destabilized and uh, queasy and go hot and go cold. I want to run. I want to stay. I want to fawn, you know. I want to fight, flight, all the usual trauma responses. It's the ability to self-regulate. You know, sometimes we can do it on the spot too. But to breathe, let the adult be present all the time. Let the adult be there. The adult can say, I've got this. It's okay. And to talk, my adult will talk to me and say, it's okay, Jimmy. Here's what's going on now. Here's what I want you to do. Take a few breaths. Sit down. Just check. You're safe. No boogeyman under the bed. Uh, what's that lovely line? Chase all the ghosts from your head. Stronger than the monster beneath your bed. Stronger than the tricks played on your heart. Indigo Girls. Power of Two. Beautiful song too. Again, same type of thing, real good energy song. I want to do good for you and you, me. Um, so that's self-regulating. Just and How we can do that is the more we stay adult generally, the more we're able to be an adult when we get a bit of a trigger or a bit of a knockback or something, you know. An adult literally means all those qualities, kind of a knowing, you know, an ability to, as I said, to pivot, to shimmy, to kind of go, it's okay, to adjust the breath, to recognize the situation, to be able to assess quickly what's going on and not react not going to the old self-defeat and soothing mechanisms give me a drink yeah you know i feel a bit hurt or rejected you know type of thing just to breathe and remember the feelings will pass the pain is from an old place nothing's going to happen i can heal it breathe through it it's okay you know and again the original pain isn't the problem it's the meaning we've attached to it that we need to do work with what it means. I've said this before. That's where the adult can come in and integrate more what things actually mean or what they don't mean. It doesn't mean you're unlovable. It just means a parent wasn't available. Yes, it's painful and you didn't know that as a child and it hurt uh, or you weren't minded properly or whatever. 
but it doesn't mean anything about you. That's the beautiful integration work. That takes a while. That's a lifetime's work. The renegotiation phase. What does it really mean? You're fully in your adult. I'm going to use a favourite of mine. I've spoken before. One of my favourite bands called Little Feet. My favourite singer-songwriter is Lowell George, who sadly passed away geez, back in 1979 at the age of 34. He was an incredible musician. He was with Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. And then he developed his own band, Little Feet. All did very young, and he was an extraordinary guitar player, slight guitar player and singer-songwriter. And Little Feet are probably the musicians' favourites. You know, they, they love them. Uh, because of their musical ability and their quirkiness and their songwriting. And they just developed a whole really funky, bluesy, kind of slightly country, but not quite country, very avant-garde style of playing, you know. You just know that's Little Feet. You can tell why the guitar works straight away, I know. Anyway, one of my favourite songs is called Willin' right, by Little Feet. And this song, if any, for me now, and I'm a bit biased to this because I love it, captures that underlying light triad attitude. And there's kind of a sub-theme or an arc in this song because the lyrics really are kind of about the trucking scene in America, right? And they're promoting drugs and drinking a little bit. It's about the old truck driver who's down in all these places on these long trips. And of course, they go to Mexico and I love songs that say Mexico in them. And uh, so you've got that that level because uh, he's talking about, you know, weed, whites, whites are probably cigarettes or amphetamine speed and wine driving so i'm not promoting that the song was a bit controversial for that reason uh but there's a there's a sub plot really and it's all about the ability to be willing and helpful and there for people and i absolutely love it and along with the music it's delightful um and it never ceases to catch me in a place and bring a little tear to my eye or a bit of a mm, wow that really moves me and just a couple of lines right well i've been kicked by the wind robbed by the sleet had my head stoved in, but I'm still on my feet, and I'm still willing. Smuggled some smokes and folks from Mexico, baked by the sun, every time I go to Mexico, and I'm still. And I've been from Tucson to Tucumcari, to Hachabita, Tonopah, driven every kind of rig that's ever been made, driven the back roads so I wouldn't get weighed. And if you give me weed, whites and wine, and you show me a sign, I'll be willing to be moving. Now, don't worry about the wheat's white and wine, what he's saying, show me a sign, I'll be there for you. That's what I'm hearing. And it's got that subplot. And you can tell it. It's, it's been recorded by so many people. People just love the song. It's so simple. Lovely little riff to it. If you don't know it, check it out. Uh, Dallas. Dallas House. It's kind of quirky, uh, but if you're tuned into the sub arc that's in it, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. Um, yeah, and I'm really sad little George died when he did. He was just getting into his prime. He did a solo album called Thanks Alida Here, which is a lovely album too. Um, but he died around that time. Now, there was controversy. Was it an OD? Was it heroin? Was it uh, a coke thing? He, he was having trouble with his weight. Uh, was it that? You know, lots of stuff was going on. Still, people don't seem to know exactly what. You know, it's not unusual in the music business to have that kind of stuff going on. Um I'm just thinking about another lovely song, I won't go into all the lyrics of it now, that I, I love by them called Fool Yourself. And it's again, it's about, you know, let's stop, let's stop fooling each other. What's really important? It's one, one a friend, you know? And I love it. It's a lovely song called Fool Yourself. You know, I call you friend. I 
call you friend. Okay, that's the late great Lil George and the magnificent little feet. I'm going to let you go soon. I'm just checking my notes, being very responsible, like I don't usually do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of who we meet in our world, you know, the complementary, corresponding psychological, emotional, spiritual alignment, meeting, convergence, interconnectedness, about how we, how we relate, who we relate to, what's going on there. So what or who am I looking for? What messages or signals am I sending out there? What do I want others to pick up? What do I want them to feel about me? What signals am I looking for? This will completely correspond energetically with how you feel about yourself in your core energy signature. So no matter if I'm saying like, oh, I really wish I could meet someone healthy. If I'm not feeling deep down like I'm worth a healthy person, I'm still going to go for the fucking Lula, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because the, that's, that's the setting that I'm in. I haven't changed the setting yet. You know, if you're using the phone settings and the electric settings, I'm still on the old setting, even though part of me is kind of going, I'm getting tired of that, but I haven't realized I haven't changed the setting. So if you change the setting back to what I was talking about, to your essence is beautiful and lovable and that you are worthy of meeting a partner, a friend or colleague who will treat you with the love and respect and care you deserve. Well, that no, even if you don't feel that way and they start doing that, you don't have to put up with it. But if your settings changed at that deep core level to that radical acceptance, you will start attracting people will come into your energy field. The others will still show up as well because they like the light, but you'll swat them away. People who will actually align more and you kind of go, oh yeah, we're speaking the same language. I can sense your energy. It's similar to mine. So that's the main thing that will dictate that and for the other person and with our energies connect in the middle and that's what can happen so it's really interesting to check that with you um is what i'm looking for corresponding with how i feel about myself deep down and don't give yourself a hard time about it if you find there's a discrepancy there come back to the self realign uh change the setting do a little bit of work around that recognize you're absolutely beautiful as you are really work with that that you're worthy of meeting someone who will treat you with decency and respect and love and care and get the amazing person that you are that's the work you do there they'll pick that up in the energy field and go oh i can feel that from him or her they're not consciously thinking that but that's how it works i feel um another guy glenn hansard winning streak i've used that song before but it's got that vibe behind it it's really like come on i want to help you on your journey let's let's all you know may a winning streak may it never end that's this is the underlying attitude i'm trying to get at Bill Withers, lovely day. Then I look at you. You know, again, it's a classic. I use it all the time because it really gets that, what it's about. Mm. So it's goodwill energy. It's the light triad. Um, so I think I'm going to slowly come to a close. I think you're hoping you're getting the feel of what I'm talking about. I'm hoping this is helpful to you to give you a kind of a, a clearer, positive view that you're doing much, much better than you think you are. You, there are much, much more people who are want democracy, who want love, who want equality, who want to be treated well and to treat others well. It's all about that underlying attitude. There's far more there. And some people disguise that with a bit of fear, but you just scratch past that and they're really beautiful. They're, they're ready to meet you. You know, the other types, you'll know, you'll feel that very quickly and you'll get better at detecting that quickly, you know. Um, that, that's what starts to happen. They'll still hover around, you know, that's, that's kind of normal. Um, but I thought it would be good to focus on what's good, what's healthy, how to work on yourself. Because you hear all this, you've got to work on yourself, your self-esteem. How the fuck do you do that? <laughs> you know? So we have to be creative and imagine. I often say to people, well, okay, you're brilliant at loving other people. I see that. I see how you are with your family, your friends, your sons, your daughters. Okay, so try and imagine it's you. It's a starting point. What's the qualities? How do you treat them? 
you know, and sometimes you just have to start there and work your way in until you get into that essence and realize I'm actually okay deep down. There's nothing wrong with me. That's bingo. That's hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with me at all. What a beautiful thing. I know that deep in my bells. There is absolutely nothing wrong with me. I'm absolutely lovable as I am. Not everyone's cup of tea, but you don't have to be everyone's cup of tea. That's the nature of being human, isn't it? That might be the kind of, yeah, over narcissistic child in us that just wants to be loved by everybody. You know, that's okay because children are like that. But, you know, I don't need to be loved by everybody. I can love me. And if there's a few around me, particularly if I want them to love me too, happy fucking days, you know? We don't need loads. But the funny thing is, the more you have it, the more you get. It's the way it kind of tends to roll. I'm going to finish with a very beautiful song by Gordon Life. And this song is like an oxymoron, if you like, or a paradox, or it's a bit allegorical or figurative. Or I can't figure out which one of them it is, where uh, it's saying the opposite to what the underlying message is at one level. And it's called Rainy Day People. Now, mostly people think of rainy days as kind of negative. I kind of don't. You know, I, oh, I know we're in Ireland and it's a pain in the arse how damp and rainy it can be, but there's something kind of romantic, there's something kind of spiritual about being inside when it's raining. But there's something pitter-pattering in that rain, there's a message in there, isn't there? So rainy day people is really, really clever. So the lyrics go something like this. Rainy day people, don't mind if you cry a tear or two. If you get lonely, all you really need is that rainy day love. Rainy day people, all know there's no sorrow you can't rise above. Rainy day lovers don't hide love inside, they just pass it on. Now there's much more lyrics to it, but the, the implication, what he's getting at in that song, that the rainy day people are the symbol for what I'm trying to describe in this podcast. So even though you think, oh, it must be all sunny, sunny. Yeah, yeah, no. Become a rainy day person. A rainy day people have acceptance, humility, love, humor. They relax. They're going to love you anyway. They won't put up with any shit off you, but you're not going to bring shit to them. You know, I love meeting rainy day people. You know, I know them. They know me without having to even name that. It's just a feeling, you know, uh, and I hope to have more rainy day people in my life, you know. It's just a way of communicating with someone. You can see it in their eyes. You can feel it in their energy field. You can sense the kind of kindness from them, the kind of agreeability. It's safe. It's okay. They get it. They get it, basically. And they it's reciprocated. The rainy day people are drawn to rainy day people. Beautiful song by Gordon Life, or just a lovely little song in and of itself. But don't be misled by the title, Rainy Day People. It means the opposite. You know, it's really sunny day people. But I love the paradox he uses there, you know. I suppose it helps go into the kind of, uh, the subtlety or nuance between the lines of life. Because it's not all sunshine. The sunshine passes. But rainy day people, they really get it, you know. That's me. I'll um, not leave you and always love you, as they say. And I will talk with you next week. I hope it was helpful, useful, interesting to you. Um, Just to remind you again, uh, if you feel it's worth it, leave a five-star rating. Leave a comment. uh, TheTwilightConversations at gmail.com Yeah, any comments, any input, always welcome. Patreon page is there. If you want to throw in a couple of quid a month for me, all day breakfasts, that type of stuff, always welcome feedback is hugely important it really helps and i appreciate all the lovely feedback i'm getting so far thank you and we'll talk with you next week thank you for joining me in the twilight conversations if you'd like to get in contact with us regarding any aspect of the show 
you can get in touch at thetwilightconversations at gmail.com So The Twilight Conversations is an independent project. We're not getting any help from anybody. No major corporations or anything like that. So if you like the content, if you like what you're hearing, please continue to support us via our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash The Twilight Conversations.